On today's episode of the Launchpad Podcast, we are going to talk about some draft day rumors, KJ Martin asking out, and Eric Gordon and John Wall interest. So don't go anywhere. We have a great show for y'all today on the Launchpad Podcast. Houston, Roger, we copy and standing by for your TV. They throw it up. Oh, there goes Jalen Green. Humans can't fly. Welcome in to another episode of the Launchpad Podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room. As always, I'm your host, Don Nock. I'm joined by my fellow host, Paolo Alves, over there. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Don Nock. You can find the pod at Clutch City CR. If you go into the description there, uh, the bio, you can find the YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify links. Paolo, tell the people where they can find your stuff. <laughs> yeah, y'all can find me on Twitter at Paul of NBA. That's P A U L O A L V E S N B A. Everything I do from podcasts like this one to the watches on Twitter Spaces, we'll find Southwick on there. All right, and we have an interesting show for y'all today. Of course, it is Draft Eve, I guess we will call it. Um, we're going to talk about some of the draft rumors that we've been hearing. KJ Martin asking out from the Rockets and some of the Eric Gordon interest, as well as John Wall's opt-in. So, wait, wait, for first question, what's better, uh, Christmas Eve or, or Draft Night Eve? I would say uh, up until about age maybe 21, <laughs> I would say Christmas Eve. Now I'm going to have to say Draft Night Eve is better. Um, <laughs> I'm excited for a lot of stuff. Um the first topic that we're going to talk about, um, I can't remember who brought this up first, so I'm sorry I'm not going to be able to source it, but it's been brought up a couple of times. I know Jake Fisher talked about it. Um, I'm not sure who talked about it originally. Maybe maybe Jonathan Fagan, I'm not sure. Um, but they mentioned that there's a possibility that the Rockets could try to expand the Christian Wood trade to bring in some other pieces, some other assets from that. When I was on with Jake Fisher, um, I called into his pod and asked some questions on there. I had asked about um, what the Rockets would try to do with 26 and 17. And, you know, would they try to trade them up? And basically what Jake Fisher told me was the Rockets are trying to move those picks up, but the teams that are ahead of them don't necessarily want a pick-based package because a lot of those teams are trying to compete. So you take a team like the Knicks, right? The Knicks, maybe they could use draft picks, but they probably are going to want you know something more player-based. The Kings, obviously, are going to be on a mandate from their owner that they need to compete, and they're probably also going to um, want some win-now players coming back. Uh, Charlotte, you know, a team that's not you know completely out of their rebuild, but also probably going to be wanting some players coming back. Now that the Rockets don't have Christian Wood, there's not really a, a super logical fit for them there either. So, you know, it does make it a little bit tougher in any sort of trade down scenarios. But what Fisher said was that the, what the Rockets can try to do is get involved in a larger trade 
move things around, maybe even utilize that Christian Wood trade that hasn't been finalized yet and try to bring some different pieces in that way. And by doing that, potentially one of the higher, sorry, one of the higher picks may be coming back to the Rockets, you know, as part of that larger expanded trade. So, you know, Paolo, what do you think about that? And what do you think about the Rockets trying to trade up generally? Yeah, I think ideally that's what they would want to do. Um, I think trading Christian Wood for a first straight up. I mean, first of all, we got the, the report from fans saying, well, that's the first time they got offered the first round pick. Whether you believe that or not, it's up to you. But taking that into consideration, right, a first round pick's always an easier asset to move than a player because it has no salary. It can be traded. You don't have to salary match. Just that alone makes it easier. Uh, and just like a player, and uh, as opposed to a player, a draft pick can become any type of player that you want. So if you want a center, if you want a, a wing, a guard, whatever it is, you can draft them with that draft pick. Christian would being traded to a team would need to be a team that needs a center. And if a team already has a center, then it's it becomes tougher, right? So I think ideally they put themselves in a better negotiation, negotiating position, like trading for the pick, as I said, much more fluid asset. That being said, it's also hard to see how many teams actually want to trade one pick back for two picks. It would need to be a team that doesn't have a lot of players in their rotation that has a specific need to fill. Right? The first thing that comes to mind, the Washington Wizards at pick 10, there's a clear hole at point guard there. And if they're not trading for one, we don't know yet. And Dyson Daniels doesn't fall to 10, then there's no point guard type of player that they could realistically select at 10 that wouldn't be a massive reach. And droppings from 10 to 17 would be, well, now at 17, there's Ty Ty Washington, there's Kennedy Chandler, there's Dylan Terry, depending on how high you are. There wouldn't be massive reaches, and that would probably be available there. And so if you're if you're Washington and you can get the guy, the guy you want anyways at 17 rather than 10, and you can add extra value, whether that is pick 26 or whatever extra assets you might need, then it might make sense. Washington's so, Washington is also one of those teams that doesn't have a lot of like long-term pieces. Like They have Danny Avia, they have uh, Riyadli Moore, and they have Corey Kispert. But then you've got Porzingis. You don't know, really know what, what's going to happen to Bradley Beal. It's, it's a little bit confusing there. Um, so I could see them being one of the teams that they target on a trade-up. We also know that they have tried to trade-up. It's been reported multiple times. And we also know that there are a lot of teams trying to move down. And so in a market where there's a lot of teams trying to move down, a team trying to move up should have an easier time uh, accomplishing their goal. But it, at the end of the day, it comes down to, well, how much are you willing to give up and how far do you want to trade up? Jonathan um, Fagan reported that the Rockets would want to trade up for a specific player rather than a specific draft position, right? They would, the, the, the rationale would be, okay, we like, let's look at our top 10. We like these 10 players. Let's see if any of these guys falls to, I don't know, 12, 13. And we value them as top 10 talents, just like Shingun last year. And so let's trade up to whatever team. Uh, let's, let's ask about 11, let's ask about 12, let's ask about 13, 14, uh, and try and see if there's any team while this guy's available, that's way, that's willing to trade out of that pick. I think a prime candidate to do that this year would be uh, AJ Griffin, who's been falling for a lot of people and who has some questions there with, with his defense. He would, he would probably be someone who 
falls just like Hagoon and that he could possibly be one of the targets for the Rockets. <sighs> that being said, when it comes to specifically trading uh, or adding onto the Christian Wood trade, I would think that mainly the, the, main, the main benefit would be just reroute pick 26 and add maybe pick 17 and try to trade up. Uh, it could also be that the Rockets took back less salary that they gave up. Christian Wood is making 13, almost 14 million dollars, I'm pretty sure, or 14 uh, flat, I'm not sure. But close to that, and they only took back 10 million dollars. And so there's a 4 million gap there. Um, and so with with the trade rules, you could even take, you could probably take more than, than that as well. So if a team, let's imagine, what, what type of value can the Rockets provide um, to a team moving down? Well, the first option would be the picks. Second option would be, well, maybe a player or two that might be more ready to contend, whether that's Tate or KJ Martin, who will get on the next segment. And the third way is, what if some team is like really close to the to the tax line? Or what if some team is trying to make a move in free agency? Maybe we could take back a salary that they do not want that would fit into the straight, right? And, and see if we can provide value that way. Because we're likely... In trading up, we're likely putting together a bunch of small pieces of value trying to trade up. So that would be 17 and 26, and let's say Caitlin Martin or whatever it is. Or, and if we can add on to that, hey, maybe let's say the Knicks. Knicks have been trying to get rid of Kemba Walker, right? If we could do, if we could take on Kemba Walker in this in this scenario, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at the math, but as an example, then it might be more enticing for the Knicks to do that deal. And. In a trade up, it's it's all about that. When you're trading up this little, you don't want to give up a, give up a prime asset, so you don't want to give up your Josh Christophers or your Shingoons or, or any anything like that. But if you can consolidate a bunch of small pieces of value into one big pick, then I think that's the goal. And leaving the Christian Wood trade open going into the draft could provide some flexibility on how they can uh, achieve this amount of value that a team would require for a trade up. So speaking of trade-up scenarios, right, another thing that's been rumored about the last couple of days was the Rockets potentially trading up with the Orlando Magic for pick number one or the Rockets even trading up for pick number two with Oklahoma City Thunder. Along with this, we had a big a big movement um, in the Vegas betting odds in terms of Paolo Bancaro's likeliness to go number one. I believe it started out as like 16... Um, plus 1600 and then it dropped all the way down to like plus 275 and it may be even lower than that now maybe 160 um i don't want anyone to take those vegas betting odds as like you know surefire guarantees that something's going to happen a lot of times um a lot of times you'll get a lot of people betting a certain way. The bank care odds were really slanted against him going number one. So if a bunch of people bet a certain way, then a bunch of people are going to come in on the other side uh, and try to, you know, even those odds out. Um, so that's definitely some, that's definitely, yeah, it's good value. It's definitely something that can happen. But we also heard from Jeremy or sorry, um, from Jeremy Wu, Jake Fisher, Sam Vecini, KOC. trying to think of this any KOC, um, and Rafael Barlow as well. That there is some legitimate interest 
from the Oklahoma City Thunder in Palo Vancaro. And I think we got into kind of the meta analysis of what's going on with this on Twitter today. And there was a lot of people like the Rockets were really open that they like being Caro, and now the Thunder are going to hold them over the fire for him. Um, I haven't heard Paolo Bancaro being interested by the Magic. Uh, I believe he still hasn't worked out for the Magic. I believe he didn't Even give worse. his medicals to the Magic. No, he, he repeatedly postponed his workouts with the Magic because he doesn't want to go there. Like That's what prospects do. You don't flat out refuse a workout. You keep on delaying it, and eventually it's too late, right? Because well, he has one day left to get that workout in. Uh, yeah, I think he's, he's in New York right now. Um, yeah, so so I don't see anyone really mocking being Caro to the Magic. Now we have all these rumors that the Thunder may take him. So, in my opinion, right when the lottery happened, right after the lottery, Adrian Wojnarowski. Rodnarowski tweet out that the expectation around the league is Chet Holmgren to go number two, Jabari Smith to go number one, or some order and combination of those things. No mention of Paolo. Uh, for weeks after that, we had the same mock drafts, Jabari, Chet, and Paolo. And then finally, with the leak, with the week leading up to the draft, we start to hear, oh, OKC is interested in Paolo. And where I'm at on this right now is that if OKC is interested in Paolo, go ahead and take him. There is no reason in my estimation that we should engage with them. Um, their first response was we like Chet. We've seen them cozying up to Chet. We've seen Chet liking Shay Gilgis Alexander posts on socials. We've seen Shay or uh, Chet liking, uh, I think, some other Thunder-related posts on socials. Um, we've seen Bancaro's camp. Uh, leaking stuff that he likes the Rockets. We've seen a uh, Ben Care interacting um, with and speaking highly of KPJ and Jalen for most of the season. And so, you know, it seems like those two prospects are comfortable with those with that result. It seems like coming out of the lot, draft lottery, the teams are comfortable with that result. And you know, if this is if this is the Thunder trying to do some sort of you know leaking 3D chess mind games or whatever. Um, just let them do whatever they want to do and take the the prospect that falls. These are not super stratified prospects. Um, you know, just from a from a fit perspective, even though you know we don't want the Rockets to draft for fit, uh Chet Holmgren, you know, can slot right in on this roster, just like Paolo Bancaro would be able to. Um, some people think that Chet's an even better fit than Paolo Bancaro is, which um, we're not gonna get into that right now. We've done plenty of podcasts on that, but just from a stra- strategy and um, you know, planning standpoint, I would not get into any sort of trade scenarios with the Thunder. If you want to trade with the Magic, then, you know, I could be interested in doing something with the Magic, but because the Thunder are A, in our conference, B, in our division, and C, we already have a very complex future pick situation with them, I don't want to be giving them anything else um, even though they're at a point where they have so many picks, like, you know, they're going to keep having to push these picks into the future. I don't want to deal with them again. We dealt with them last year with the Shangun trade and, you know, we got, I believe, you know, one up on them there. 
Don't give them anything for this pick. The value is not that substantial. If you want to go to one and deal with the magic, okay. At least you're not dealing with someone who's in division, in conference. You know, we already owe them a bunch of picks. If you want to throw the magic pick 26 or you want to throw the magic KJ Martin or, you know, there's there's something we're going to get into a little bit later on, you know, maybe even involving a, another late first. If you want to push another late first that you may scrape up in a deal on draft night, that's fine. But I don't want to do something like, oh, let's send the Brooklyn 2024 unprotected pick to to you know Orlando for this pick. I don't want to do anything like that. I feel like that's very rash. I feel like that's very hasty. Um, even if you did something like that pick lottery protected or our pick next year lottery protected, I think that's way too much. Um, Boston sent um, – or no, sorry, Philadelphia sent Boston an unprotected first-round pick um, in the Markel Fultz trade, and that pick ended up being – I think it was 14. So you know they didn't get great value – Philadelphia was already a team that was starting to to go into competition at that point. But the Rockets are not even where Philadelphia was in that cycle. We'd have to put some sort of substantial protections on it, in my estimation, to to make me comfortable with any sort of trade like that, dealing any of the picks that aren't, you know, I I guess Milwaukee's pick next year likely slots in post-lottery. So maybe if they want to give up the Milwaukee pick, I would think about it. But outside of that, it just... The, the assets that we do have left at this point for, besides this season are all pretty good assets. And so I don't want to get into giving any of those up just to move up one or two spots in a three player draft. So that's how I feel about it. Paolo, you know, yeah. go on ahead. And then I, I actually, you know, let, let, let me just say one more thing. Let me say one more thing before I, before I hand over. There was this big hullabaloo today on Twitter about how the Rockets put their Paolo interest out there and, Oh, Sam Presti would never do this. And, you know, Sam Presti is going to outfox us and all this stuff. And, you know, I don't like operating scared. I don't want people out here being like scared of Sam Presti. I mean, this, this guy drafted Harden, Westbrook, and Durant. And, you know, that was very impressive. But, you know, since that time, what has all of his, you know, Jedi mind tricks and, and such really accomplished? They lost Harden and they kept Serge Ibaka. I mean, that wasn't an ideal maneuver. They drafted a lot of uh, no three, some D, super athletic wings, and a lot of those didn't pan out. I guess Lou Dort was a, another pickup for them that was pretty good. But, you know, it's not like Sam Presti has never missed. It's not like Sam Presti has never done anything that, you know, didn't pan out. And so all these people that are, like, throwing him around as some type of boogeyman, it's like, look, I'm not going to say not to underestimate your opponent, right? You know, you have to have a healthy respect for Sam Presti and what he's done for sure. But all all these people that are saying like, oh, you know, like Stone just getting completely outfoxed by Presti here. I mean, we had basically a similar result last year of, you know, everyone was kind of aware that the Rockets like Jalen Green. And you know what happened? The Rockets got Jalen Green. And you know what I think is going to happen this year? I think the Rockets are going to stay at three and get Paolo Banquero, you know, have him fall to them at three. So I think, you know, if the Rockets are posting, you know, if they're posting, you know, their, their draft board on Twitter, then yeah, I'd have a problem with that. But once, once the lottery shook out how it did and you have, you know, Orlando rumored to like Jabari, Oklahoma city rumored to like Chet tweet out right away. And, you know, 
you don't really see those teams getting slammed for, oh, you know, Woj had their pick, you know, seconds after the lottery. But, you know, even though we are days away from the draft and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, the Rockets like Paolo. I don't think we need to come down on Rafael Stone for that because, again, like we had the Thunder and Magic picks basically for for weeks now. It's it's Phil projecting their unhappiness with getting Paolo onto everywhere everybody else. There was a clear strategy which was, well, let's hope we don't get Paolo. Okay, we're getting Paolo. Okay, let's describe Paolo. Okay, it's not working. Okay, what's the next step? Let's. Let's well, let's hide behind the excuse. Oh, the, the Rockets didn't have a chance. That's why they got Paolo. And now the Rockets are putting out there beforehand that they do like Paolo. And now it's like, oh, the Rockets are so stupid for saying they like Paolo beforehand. Guys, guys, please. We've known we've known the Magic have has have Jabari number one for three weeks. Please, three weeks. We've known this. It's been consensus on ninety percent of mocks, right? The Okay, see one in one in Chet's at least been two weeks old. Okay, Chet and Jabari being one and two has been there since the moment the balls like the lottery balls set into place. Okay, the Houston likes power rumors have a week. Okay, beforehand it was Houston's gonna take whoever falls, and everybody was like, oh, who's gonna foul Paulo? Well, yes. So what's the difference now? Because we leaked that we like the guy that's probably gonna fall to us. What? Negotiation tech, like, what are they going to lose? Do y'all realistically think, huh? Do y'all realistically think any of these organizations, both the, the Magic and the Thunder, are going to take a prospect that they do not value as number one just because the Rockets leak that they like him number one? No, they're trying to, they're trying to um, extract an extra asset out of, out of the Rockets because they have him number one and they have the opportunity to take them. But when it comes down to it, if the Rockets call their bluff, I would bet. A lot right now that both Presti and uh, what's his name Waltman, neither well, of them, yeah. yeah, neither of them is going to select Paolo and try to extort the pick out of the Rockets. It's not just not how it works. They're trying. They're going to play that game up until draft night. Come draft night, they're going to select whichever player they had number one on their board. If it's Paolo, it's Paolo. But it wasn't because the Rockets leaked that they liked Paolo. <laughs> that makes really like makes no sense and. Just another thing that I wanted to touch on. Yes, they did leak that they liked Jalen last year, but did they lose because of it? Nothing. Yes, they're looking at Paolo is the guy they like this year. What are they going to lose because of it? Absolutely nothing. Again. And, and, <laughs> and I want to just add one thing to that. We were in a space with Clutch fans last night, and Clutch fans basically said in the space, you know, I'm going to paraphrase here just to, to be quick, that some of the leaks about the Bancaro interest by the Rockets has come from Bancaro's own camp. So given that information, I don't understand how you can say, oh, this is all on stone when Bancaro is trying to somewhat of a degree, you know, force his way to Houston as well. And, you know, people will say, oh, Jabari didn't work out for the Rockets. What's wrong with the Rockets? Well, you know, we've seen Bancaro angling to not go to the Magic. So is something wrong with the Magic then as well? Because Bancaro didn't share his medicals with them because he's pushed his workouts back with them. You know, you don't hear people saying that in the opposite direction. It's just, oh, the Rockets are fumbling this. The Rockets, you know, Jabari doesn't like us. So, you know, whatever. And you don't hear those arguments being made in the opposite direction. And I, I'm going to come out and say this. I really think, you know, some of what Paolo said there is true is that the people that like Bancaro 
are happy that they're that we're going to get our guy and they don't feel compelled to make those type of arguments if you don't like paolo you're more pressed to try to make these type of arguments to either discredit him or you know complain that what the front office is doing is wrong because you don't like the direction that it's going and you know i don't think that's fair to how this has been handled if we get to draft night and they do something crazy like they trade two first round picks plus three to get up to one, you know, at that point, then we can say, yes, you know, they, they fumbled the way they handled this pick. They got squeezed into giving way too much value up for this. But, you know, if they come out and they trade 26 and three to get to one and get Ben Caro, you know, maybe if they had just not leaked anything, they could have just taken Ben Caro at three, but I'm comfortable giving up 26. I'm comfortable giving up, you know, maybe even KJ Martin uh, in that type of move up scenario. And, you know, unless we see something completely off the walls happen at the draft on Thursday, I think a lot of the, a lot of the, I'm not going to say cabin fever, but, you know, some of the hysterics that we saw today were, you know, very unfounded. Um, I just want to close with one point. Um, I tweeted out earlier that the Rockets tweeting out or the Rockets, you know, leaking um, or, you know, putting out there that that they have interest in Bancaro. You know, it, it takes away the ability of people that said, oh, you know, after the draft that they're just going to say that they got their guy no matter what. And a lot of people said, oh, that's dumb. You know, they need to just shut up and let things happen. And I just want to say that this is that was a narrative that we saw happening on Twitter last week. That that comment for me wasn't something I just threw out in the ether, you know, completely in a vacuum. Late last week, there were people that were saying, Oh, yeah, the Rockets didn't really want Paolo, but they're gonna draft him and then we're gonna hear a bunch of BS about how he was number one on their board anyway. And the Rockets have basically gone out and said, No, like this is who's number one on our board. We're saying it before the draft, so y'all can't say we got you know, leveraged into taking him or whatever. I, I guess people could say, you know, they only said that because they got three and they couldn't, you know, get the guy at one or two, which, you know, if you feel that way, you feel that way. But we're, we're getting down a very cynical rabbit hole here. Um, but I, I think I'm at a point of this now where we've, we've done so much discussion on these narratives and different things that I, I'm ready for the draft to happen. We can, you know, get whoever we get in-house and, and we can really start doing uh, more film analysis and more breakdown on on what that guy looks like uh, on the court with the other players. Yeah, well, let me just say something else before we close. I mean, it, this is so this is so dumb. It's not gonna change anything. Like, what team? So, are you telling me that like last year, just before the draft, clear number one, Kate Cunningham? There were rumors that the Rockets were trying to trade up. This year, it's the exact same thing. It's it's two days before the draft. These things happen. Everybody's trying to fleece everybody. If the Magic can get the guy that they want at three still and get an extra asset, they're going to do it. They're going to try and do it. Like Even if the Rockets don't leak that they want Vankero, the, the, the Magic are still going to try and get an extra asset if they feel like they can get the, the same guy that they want. This is... A lot of this is a lot of, of uh, a little bit of a game of chicken. This is like nothing's gonna change, and and to crucify the front office because they leak too much. I think they leak too much in a gimmicky way sometimes, like the the Oladipo saga or the um, 
or the we want a first that's not this year for a recording saga or, or stuff like that. Yes, sometimes they overplay their hand. <laughs> both scenarios, both last year and this year, they leak the or the it's known with the play that they want. But it's not gonna change anything because it's two scenarios where there's been a clear number two for these top two teams and they're not gonna change it just because Rockets find Bakerov to be the best player. Just like last year, they want, well, if they made the decision that they want Jalen Green, then it doesn't make a difference because they're going to get him because Kate's going to go number one. doesn't change anything. This year, it's not going to change anything. What actually matters, or the picks where it's really doubtful what they could take, the late picks, last year, nobody could have called Josh Christopher. Nobody could have called Alperen Shingun. Well, you called Josh Christopher. I did, but I, I was mostly guessing. <laughs> Yeah, nobody could have called Usman Garuba, right? <laughs> this year, I bet you, nobody's gonna call what the Rockets are going to pick because we barely know who they worked out anyways. They're super secretive about this stuff. <laughs> I just don't understand. And to close off on on a little bit of a, a more positive note, if we were to trade up, I'm okay giving up 26. If if I'm Rafael Stone and the Magic come to me and they're like, and I do value Bankero as the number one, right? If the Magic come to me and they're like, hey, we're trying to get an extra asset out of this. If you don't want to go through the hassle of wondering if OKC is going to pick uh, Bankero number two, or if you want to secure your, your top guy and you're only giving up a late first round pick and a bad draft, sure. Go ahead, make the trade if you feel like Bankero is number one, clearly. If you don't and you're okay with getting any of the three, then just let one of the three fall. If they are they are overplaying their hand, if they want one of the Brooklyn picks or if they want Josh Christopher or something like that, then don't. And just call their bluff. If they don't think Bankero is the best prospect, they're not going to pick him. And if they do think that Bankero is the best prospect, they're not going to trade back anyways. They're going to take who they think the best prospect is. It's not going to change anything. <laughs> All right. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk. We have a little bit more draft stuff. And then we're also going to talk about KJ Martin uh, and a little bit of the saga that unfolded about him asking out. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Continuing into our second segment here on the Launchpad podcast. So we talked about some draft stuff. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about KJ Martin asking out uh, in the segment. We're also going to talk a little bit about trade trade up scenarios from 1726. And if we don't trade up um, who we would ideally like at 17 and 26. Um, Paolo, let's start with trade up scenarios. If we trade up, who would you be interested in? Um, do you see any realistic packages or realistic targets to move up? There's a scenario that's played out in my head a little bit. Uh, but we did get from uh, Jonathan Fagan that the Rockets likely aren't taking a big man. I don't know if that's because they're not interested in, tra- in taking one. I don't know if that's because there's clearly not one projected to go where the Rockets pick currently. But, I, but I've been playing a scenario out in my head where it reaches pick 13 and the Hornets are really near the center, but they think we have pick 15 and we, who picks between our two picks is Cleveland. Cleveland's not going to take a center. And so they take their favorite wing, which is likely what Cleveland's going to pick at, at 13, expecting 15 to be Mark Williams. And that's where the Rockets deal with Cleveland 
to trade back to 17, they trade up and they snag Mark Williams out of Charlotte's hands before they can take him. That's one of my favorite things. I don't. I think from 17 to 14 can probably be get be gotten just by trading 26 and 17. Um, and so I think that's a really interesting scenario. I really like Mark Williams. If we're we are getting Paolo, Mark Williams has chemistry there, and they're a good fit on the court as well. Uh, other than that, as I said before, I could see us trading up to one of Washington Knicks um, or Charlotte at 13 and selecting someone like an AJ Griffin that might fall. Uh, personally, if I could trade up, Mark Williams one of my favorites, Usman Jenks one of my favorites. Um, I mean, if one of the, your Benedict Mathurins, Keegan Murray's, or Dyson Daniels falls, yes as well. I don't really like the idea of trading it for Sharp. Feels kind of redundant with what we got right now. Uh, some people like Sohan, I or Sohan, I don't really like him that much because I think he's going to struggle to play actual minutes day one. Uh, I'm a, but... I'm pretty high on Sohan. I think if we trade up, that would probably be who I would want to target. Jang, I would say maybe. Um, I think he's a little bit more project e. Depending on how far we'd have to trade up, um, I'm not crazy about Branham. And then Jalen Williams, I think he's going to go just before us. But those are probably the three of my guys that I'd be interested in trading up for at this point. Yep. I guess it would also be fun. I mean, the, the thing with, with Sochan is, if he can't shoot, can he really play day one? And I want, if we're trading up, I want the guy coming in to be able to play day one. Uh, that being said, we taught KJ Martin how to shoot. He didn't shoot at all beforehand, so We'll be fine. Um, but then, other than that, I think it would be cool. Do you want to predict, or not predict, say what your ideal draft looks like if we are not trading up? So give me your ideal pick at 17, realistically. Then give me your ideal pick at 26, realistically. I think, I don't think Jalen Williams is going to be there at 17. But if he was, okay. that's who I would want. Okay. That's who yep. I would want. Um, at 26, there were some leaks earlier about Ty Ty Washington and the Rockets kind of being interested in him. Uh, I'm, I would be okay with Washington at 26, not necessarily at 17. Uh, if Hardy falls to 26, I would be really high on Hardy just because I think that's a very high talent that's fallen that far. Um, and then Bochamp. I think Bochamp at 26, I would be very pleased with as well. Um, if we can't get any of those, um, I'm there's been a lot of Eason, and you know, I'm okay with Eason. I think I'm a little bit lower than other people are on him, but some combination of those, those guys, I think would be ideal for me between the two picks. Okay, so I'm going to give you. Two scenarios that are my ideal scenarios, 10 out of 10, I'll go crazy on the draft here. The first one is if we draft Paolo at three, obviously, and then somehow Mark Williams either falls to 17 or we trade a minor asset or KJ Martin, whatever it is, draft him. So Paolo, Mark Williams, and Wendell Moore at 26, who's also not a reach there, um, would, would be a really interesting uh, draft just because a lot of synergy those guys play together at Duke they all fit what I like in later picks is guys that fit a mold or a role 
really well. And then you got Wendell Moore, who's a clear 3 and D wing, who can do some more stuff. He has some passing chops, but 3 and D wing, good size, 6'6", six, six, with, a, with a good wingspan. I like him. And then Mark Williams, classic, 7'2", rim running center, excellent rim protector, excellent length, excellent rebounder, can cover for, for the, 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 the problems that you might have with Paolo. I really like that scenario. That's the biased uh, I root for Duke this year, me, even though I really don't like AJ Griffin, which is weird. And then my other one is the one that everybody talks about, which is Tar Eason at 17, Boat Camp at 26, the Seattle Boys. You're getting Eason, who's going to be a, a, defensive, for, a defensive power forward who can play some small five, who's able to switch on threes. Hopefully, he can develop his jump shot, really athletic, moves his feet well. Really good defender. Um, and then Boat Camp, who is someone who projects to be more of a 3 and D wing. Um, the 3 is developing, but I believe he'll get that. He's a really good mid-range shooter. Um, he's a really good cutter, which excites me when playing with Paolo, because Paolo is a really good passer, and he's going, and we don't have many good cutters on this team. So if Boat Camp's a really good cutter, he's a good fit with Paolo, and I think Paolo will, will find him a lot. <laughs> But then, if we're not doing going for these gimmicky combos, I actually I really like Ide Liddell, either at 17 or 26. I think he that's about the two edges of the range that he might go to. We like him as a PJ Tucker type forward, someone who can do some rim protection, someone who can shoot threes, uh, who's going to play really good defense, who's going to make the right play. I think he's an underrated rim protector, so it's well with Klingun as well. Although he that is another power forward that we would be drafting, and I don't quite think that he's a wing. Or if you play him at the wing, you're wildly misusing his room protection, and he's really not tall enough to play the five because he's six seven. But I really like him. If if Akbadi falls to seventeen, I really like him as well. And then at twenty six, at that point, you're swinging for talent, right? I know some people like Jovic, I don't really like him, but I like Wendell more. I like, to some extent, I like Kennedy Chandler, although I don't think we'll take him because we've got Dijon Knicks. I like Jalen Hardy just as a, an upside swing. He would probably get another year in the T League, which is, I mean, it works for the Knicks. So, yeah, those those are my my favorite, you know, little, little drafts. And if I could choose right now, I would probably go with the Duke one. I think that one's my favorite because it also involves a guy that I think would never fall to us falling. But yeah. Okay. Now we get into the 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 interesting stuff. On yesterday, June twentieth at nine oh four AM, Kelly Eco of the Athletic tweeted out with the reality of the incoming number three pick and possibly more. Second-year forward K.J. Martin recently approached Rockets management to discuss the possibility of a trade from the franchise, sources told The Athletic. Okay, (laughs) this caused quite the firestorm on social media. There were a lot of different perspectives. Most of the perspectives were, if you go to another team, are you really going to get more playing time there? Uh, people looked at other teams' rosters to try to figure out a team that he could go to and get more playing time. 
I was on Jake Fisher's call-in show again earlier today, and I asked if he had heard of any interest in K.J. Martin. He said he had not heard of any interest in K.J. Martin, but I believe there was a tweet yesterday. I don't remember who it was from, but they said that there was some teams, even contenders, that had some level of interest um, in K.J. Martin. Fisher and Jeremy Woot, they would not go into they heard any offers or any rumors or anything like that, but Okay. When the season started out, I was someone that was high on starting KJ. Oh, hold on. All right. Sorry, I had to sneeze there. Um, yeah, I was someone that said we should start KJ over Jay Sean Tate. Um, on this podcast, you know, earlier this month and last month, I advocated for trading Tate over KJ Martin because... I felt like Tate's value around the league would be higher. He's more of a impact player, win now type of guy because he can play defense. He has some level of passing, and then he can score kind of inside. I did not. I can't say I didn't see this coming because again, his dad kind of hinted at this earlier on in the summer, but I didn't see it coming this quickly. Okay. I think that I think this is coming from some of his dad's perspective, being a number one overall pick, having a certain level of cachet in the league, having a certain level of pull. You know, even though it's not him in that situation, I can see how his perspective would be to kind of carry yourself, handle yourself a certain way because you have that cachet, you have that that sway. Um, I don't agree with it. I can see why his dad feels that way. I think at the end of the day, if KJ feels like he can do better in a better situation, that is something that he is free to go try and you know accomplish. I don't know if you're going to get a situation where you're going to give be given more playing time than a team that was the worst record in the league for the last two years, right? If he couldn't carve out minutes on this roster... You know, it'd have to be a very specific fit. It'd have to be a team that did not have any sort of athletic backup wings. And, you know, we can speculate on what teams those might be. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it does open up some time for other players. And I think it also does... Mm, I think... I think the roster crunch was going to happen regardless. Um, so I've advocated for trading Tate and, you know, trading KJ instead is is one way to, to fix that. But I think even if we bring in someone else, I think you're going to see, even if we bring in someone at pick 17 or 26, right? I think you're going to see one of the guys that's in the three, four, five backup rotation get pushed back in the G League. And it's looking like that's probably going to be Usman Garuba again. Uh, the team has already mentioned that they're planning to explore backup center options um, that are more ready to go than Garuba seems to be at this point. So, you know, if you had KJ on the roster still, you bring in a backup center and then you draft someone at 17 or 26, you know, potentially both, um, that squeeze just getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And, you know, eventually someone was going to get squeezed out. And it seemed like KJ saw the writing on the wall and, uh, you know, maybe just trying to beat that to the punch. Hey, 
I understand if you don't think you're going to get minutes next year. Yes, go ahead, talk with management, see if they can move you somewhere, right? Coming public with it, problem number one, because the team's not going to trade you for a bad return. You you're, you have two years left on your deal. You're a lot, you're largely, like you're not a superstar. There's no agents to please. You're largely relying on the team, on the team's goodwill to move you and recognize if they can get a good return. So coming public with it, big no-no. You probably just hurts your position a little bit. And then, dude, where are you getting more minutes than, than, than at the Rockets? I mean, unless you're doing this preemptively, predicting you're not going to get minutes next year, then I could maybe see it, depending on who they draft. But you just came public with it preemptively. Uh, kind of weird. Second of all, if that's not the case and you're complaining about your minutes last season, you played 21 minutes a game. You are the 52nd pick in the 2019 or tw- in the 2020 NBA draft. Considered, like, considered one of the weakest drafts in memory. Okay, so what are we doing here? You're probably not going to get more than 21 minutes elsewhere, right? And I mean, there might be a crunch coming. I would probably rather play KJ as a player in a vacuum rather than Tate because he can shoot a little better. But I also don't know if the tweaks that Tate's been working on his jump shot this offseason worked. Because if they do, then Tate's clearly the better player. Just how it is. Um, that being said, if you're going to be this whiny about it, then I might prefer Jayshan Tate because I cannot imagine Jayshan Tate ever coming public requesting a trade. Just not the type of just doesn't seem like the type of guy that he is. He seems like the type of guy that's going to out, outwork you and force the coaching staff to play you over the guy that you're not playing, right? And Casey did with his play warrant more minutes to begin the season. He didn't deserve Daniel House or David Nuava playing over him. But as the season went on, he got his deserved minutes. And you might make the argument that he should play over Jayshan Tate. You might have a point there. Not enough to demand the trade. You're getting 21 minutes a night. You're not good enough to a point where you getting 21 minutes is hurting your career. Okay, that, that's plenty that you need to work on. And most teams in the league that are not the worst team in the league, you are a backup. You need to develop a handle. You need to develop a more consistent three-point shot. You're still not a good free throw shooter. Um, you're, you're, you've improved your defense, but you're, you're not a lockdown guy. You're, you're a guy that can stay in front of, guy, in front of your matchup. And, and you're someone who can provide some weak side rim protection with your athleticism. If you're an intriguing young prospect. I, I just don't see it. And if he wants out this path, trade him. I mean, right now, if you could, if Caitlin Martin can be used in a trade up to 10 to draft a guy like Sochan or a guy like Usman Jang or someone like that, then do it. I mean, it reaches a point where your, I'm not sure your talent is high enough to warrant any possible locker room issues or any possible personality issues or or unprofessionalism, okay? And so it depends on how big the issue truly is. Uh, It's easy to get to overthink it through social media. It's easier, easy to misunderstand words, but 
depending on how big the issue is, it might just not be worth it because you can put up with some of these things where if you're talking about a star player or a guy with star upside, like a KPJ, like a Jalen Green, who the, thankfully there's not, not been any concerns there, but guys like that. With the 52nd pick of the 2020 draft, it's not worth it. Um, and for cultural for cultural reasons, I might prefer to keep Jay Shantate right now than, than I would KJ because there's a difference there. KJ probably fits into more lineups, but Tate's attitude and the, the locker room enforcer role and a guy that's been here since the beginning of the rebuild also has value. And if the 10% worst player, 10% worst fit that Tate is compared to KJ is balanced out by KJ being, KJ elevating, uh, rather, uh, Tate ele- ele- elevating his teammates or being a good presence in the locker room and getting 5% extra effort out of everybody and being that type of guy, then I'll probably take it. It's, But then at the end of the day, it's also not that big of a deal. As I said, it's one player. It's a second-round pick. It's not worth being up in arms about. I'm sure Rafael Stone will make whatever the slim is best uh, about it. I'm not pressed by it. If it is a big enough issue, I'm sure Stone will trade them. If it isn't, I'm sure they can work it out. It will, I think, get all get resolved, if not by draft night, during the week after draft night, mostly because if they draft a lot of forwards, then maybe they trade KJ. If they see a scenario to trade up, maybe they trade KJ. Um, the other thing I, I, I will point out is KJ is a little bit unique in the sense that he has a little, really small salary, so he doesn't require salary matching. And he would probably be more attractive to some teams than the 26th pick in this year's draft is, just because more of a known quantity can provide something right now. If I'm the next, for example, I would probably rather have KJ Martin than pick 26. Um, but yeah. Especially because just... Tibbs doesn't like playing young players, right? Yeah, but KJ is not little... a KJ is not a vet vet, but he's a little bit older than you know a, a rookie would be coming in. Yeah, and he plays. I think he would be a good tips ball player, like a really athletic. Um... Plays hard. Yeah. So I, I think this is a good place to stop uh, for the end of the segment. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Eric Gordon, a little about a little bit about John Wall, and we'll see what we have time for left after that. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. And continuing to our final segment here on the Launchpad Podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about Eric Gordon trade interest, which we just heard about, and John Wall. So we're going to start with Eric Gordon. Um, friend of the show, I'll say. Uh, Tim McMahon of ESPN tweeted, or sorry, he didn't tweet. He uh, was on a podcast with Windhorst uh, that was on YouTube. And on that podcast, they talked about Eric Gordon. Um, They said that the Philadelphia 76ers offered pick 23 for Eric Gordon. And they also said that the Rockets are certain that they can get a first round pick for Eric Gordon in this draft. They went on to say that they would probably prefer a pick in another draft, you know, whether that be 23, 24, or, or onward, um, 2023, 2024, or onward. But those picks are on the table. We'll see what the interest of Eric Gordon is and, you know, how that comes into play here because we have seen the Rockets really try to 
you know, do right by their guys. We saw that with PJ Tucker. We saw that with Victor Oladipo. We saw that. Would you say we saw that with Westbrook? Maybe, maybe a little bit. Um, we saw that with Westbrook. I don't think we have many options there. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if we have any other examples. You know, they they fully guaranteed DeMarcus Cousins' salary before they waived him to to kind of do right by him uh, in that sense as well. But, you know, a lot of people wanted Eric Gordon to be traded at the deadline. You know, people thought that whatever we were going to get for Eric Gordon at the deadline was going to be his peak value. And most people expected that to be the Suns or... mm, what other teams did you say, Paulo? The Suns, um, the Bucks, the Cavs. Uh, I I think the Cavs would still be the best value. Um, I think their pick hit at fourteen, or something along those yeah. lines, fifteen. So you know, if they had traded with the Cavs, I would argue that the Cavs wouldn't have finished fourteen or or fifteen, wherever they are, with Eric Gordon. So yeah. that pick may not have been as good, but if they have the twenty third pick in hand. I would say this is another win for Stone. You know, they held on to Eric Gordon. They got that second half of the season of veteran leadership out of him. And, you know, they could still get a low 20s pick in exchange for him, if not a better pick. Um, I think Windhorse tweeted out earlier or mentioned earlier in this pod that Phoenix was another team that was interested in Eric Gordon. You know, what Phoenix would send back would be interesting. Um, the, with the 76ers, you kind of have the obvious package of Danny Green and 23. And that's a package that makes sense. They'll probably shop that package around to different teams. And when you have that salary that needs to go out, it makes giving up a better pick more palatable for the team that's trading that bad salary out, right? With the Suns, we'll see what that package looks like. There's I don't know. Maybe you can think of a very obvious package that the Suns could put out, but I, I don't have anything on the top I, of my head. It's, it's wait, I got it. I had it right in front of me. Um, it's uh, Dario Saric, Cameron Payne, and whichever first from I think twenty twenty three on, like in whatever year protected, in whichever protection you you want to put on it. But the, the, the salary matching would be that because Saric is injured. He has a really serious injury. Cameron Payne. Uh, was underwhelming last year, so and Gordon would play the role that he played anyways. Yeah, so so there you go, there you go on on what those trade packages would most likely look like. Really, either of those I think fulfills kind of three three criteria that are probably going to be needing to be checked off in an Eric Gordon trade. One. Send him to a place where he probably wants to go. So in Philadelphia, he would have James Harden, Daryl Morey. In Phoenix, he would have Chris Paul. I don't know if there's anyone else in Phoenix that he's played with, but besides the point, uh, the second would be a team that has obvious, you know, value to send back. Um, so the first round picks coming from either of those teams are, you know, okay value. And then the salary matching, like we talked about. Um, and one thing I'd want to point out before we go even further on this is that 
the Rockets are going to value not taking back long-term salary. We just saw that in the Christian Wood trade. We just saw how they took back, you know, four guys that are basically no future with the team except maybe Boban because they want to protect that cap, that salary cap space into the 2023 and onward seasons. Any Eric Gordon trade that they make, I think that's going to be something they prioritize. They've done a good job keeping their books clean up to this point, and I really think that that's something that when when and if um, an Eric Gordon trade happens, they're going to most likely get one to no bad years of salary coming back in that trade. Yeah. To me, if the Sixers offer is there and it's 23, then it's a good baseline, which means worst case scenario, you take 23. I'm not sure they will take 23 over just keeping a recording. And the rationale behind it is, well, they can't really make four picks this draft. It's just not feasible. You can play everyone. You're going to send like two or three guys to the T-League. I think the only reason that deal is not made already is it's because they're trying to see, well, can we trade either, 20, either 26 and 23 or 23 and 17 or whatever it is up, or maybe even all three up into a, a, a mid-lottery pick, right? If they can, I think they will do that deal. If they can't, I struggle. I think they'll hold out and try and see what other teams would be okay. Um, maybe giving up a first that's not this year, because, or maybe they'll try and see if they can trade 23 itself for a future pick. We know that the Thunder tra- traded 30 for a 2027 Nuggets pick, right? So there's ways to get value there. There's ways to delay the picks forward, but I think that that would be the priority. Then, as you said, they're not trying to get salary that they, that they would not be able to move next year. I think with the Sixers package, Furkan Korkmaz has to come with him. He is making $5 million next year, which is not great, but it's movable salary. If, if, if $5 million is separating you from getting a good player or not, then you can move it. I don't think it's a problem. Uh, yeah, when it comes to the Eric Gordon trade, it's, it's been talked about so much. It's, they're going to do it if they get a first. They're going to try and get a first that's not this year. If they do get a first this year, they're going to try to move that first. It's it's the same the same old, same old. Uh, about the Suns, it's a trade that I, that I said I prefer the Suns trade over the Sixers trade. Uh, just because the Suns can give us a pick that's further down the line, even if it's protected. But yeah, I think that's basically all I have to say about the, the, the Eric Gordon trades. About the John Wall stuff that we're also well, supposed to talk on, about. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me introduce it properly. You can't just, you know, bounce around. Um, earlier today, I believe it was today. Was, was it yesterday? We've had so much stuff happen. Uh, I think it was today, yeah. Um, Houston, oh, sorry. From Shams Charania of The Athletic, earlier today, he tweeted out, Houston Rockets, John Wall's agent, Clutch Sports CEO Rich Paul has informed the organization that the guard exercised his $47.4 million player option for the 2022-2023 season. Sources tell The Athletic and Stadium. Um, I think no one is surprised by this. I just want to say that. <laughs> First of all, uh, the reason we're talking about it is because 
we've also done well we've done some legwork journalism uh if you will on this front uh, in the last couple of weeks we were in a space with hoops hypes michael scotto um, and i asked him what he thought was going to happen uh to resolve the john wall situation he said that he thought the rockets are going to continue to explore trades and that he believed that the situation was going to end up going to a buyout. Then I was in uh, the show with Jake Fisher. I asked Jake Fisher the same question. What do you think is going to end up happening with this John Wall situation? And he said virtually the same thing that Michael Scott said. He said they're going to probably try to explore some trades. He hadn't heard any traction of any trades. A trade is going to be very difficult just because of the magnitude of John Wall's salary. And he expected it to end up going to a buyout. So John Wall has opted into his, his player option. We're now basically, what, 48 hours away from the draft. Before free agency, I think we're going to see John Wall probably take a buyout. Hopefully he can go to a team where he gets, you know, a good piece of the MLE money, whether that's like the Knicks or the Wizards or, you know, any of these teams that need a point guard and the Rockets can get some of that money offset. And that's how I see this situation going. We've kind of been on the trail of this situation, you know, me and Paulo specifically for a while now, we try to ask about it whenever we can get one of these, you know, real reporters on the pod, on the, the space, whatever the case may be with us. And, I can speak for Paulo too because we've talked about this so much. I think the expectation of this going to a buyout has been something that we've thought this was going to go the direction of for a long time. Oh, and I think we're. I was expecting to get uh, uh, Jason Tatum for, for for John Wall. Okay, well, this is news to me, so I'm I'm going to say I'm offended that you didn't share this very strongly held belief that you had with me in, until this very inopportune moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, I think this is the direction a lot of people thought this situation was going to end up going, and we are getting into the last 100 meters uh, of this race, and I think that's what's going to transpire in the very not-so-distant future. Yeah, the only thing that's left to discover is how much does John Wall give back. I don't expect him to give back a single cent more than what he gets promised by a team in free agency. Uh, otherwise, he would have just done it last year. Um so yeah, I think, I mean, it's in his best interest to leave and go play for some for somewhere because he's played what I think in the last four seasons he's played like fifty games that was with the Rockets. So I think there's going to be a team that gives him just a full mid-level exception. I think the Boston Celtics are a really good shout. Uh, if they can get the non-taxpayer melee, that's like ten million. That would mean that we'd buy him out for thirty-seven million which means we would have 37 million uh, death cap hold just for this year. I don't expect them to stretch it out. doesn't make any sense. Just we're going to be bad this year, eat the entire thing. Uh, this year, next year, you have massive amounts of cap space. The other thing that might happen as well is if we do save that money on John Wall, there's a possibility that we might have a little bit of cap space this year. I haven't crunched the numbers completely, um, but it likely will not be enough to warrant us acting as an under the um, under the cap team because that makes it so we don't have MLE, so we can't give four-year um, non-guaranteed deals to to undrafted free agents. 
if we move Eric Gordon, they might save us some money as well. But we are currently just just double checking, right? We're we're currently paying our active roster 114 million. The salary cap uh, for next year is project, projected to be 122 million. And so if you take it from these 114 to 10 million from the John Wall stuff, that's 104. That's now like 18 million of, of cap space. We might take on a bad contract here or there, maybe an expiring from a team that wants to do that. But it's usually not rewarding to act as a under the salary cap team, especially if you're giving shots to all of these players. So one of them I expect to get a shot is Fabian White. If Fabian White goes to the G League and he's killing it there, they would probably want to give him one of those one-year, um, not one-year, four-year minimum, minimum deals that are not guaranteed and you need the MLE for that unless you do have the cap space for it. But the, the worst-case scenario is one where you use up all of your cap space, you only have access to the room MLE, which is... I think five million, but you can only give it for two years. Um, so it it will be interesting because depending on how much John Wall gives back, there's some wiggle room to play it either to play either side of of the of the salary cap next year. Whoops. The last topic we're going to talk about is that the Rockets. I can't remember the exact wording on this. Do you remember who had the Abdel Fattah news? Kelly Eco. Kelly Eco. Okay. In, in Kelly Eco's piece, uh, he mentioned that the Rockets are, you know, virtually um, a lock to sign the Vipers head coach, um, Coach Abdel Fattah, uh, to be part of Steven Silas's coaching staff next season. I thought he did a really good job with a lot of the players that went down there in terms of their development. I will actually even go as far as to say that when Kevin Porter Jr. was down in Rio Grande Valley, that was some of the best pick and roll playing that he had done in his entire Rockets tenure. Um, so I think, you know, how he's going to handle the guards on this team uh, in terms of his coaching, I think I'm very high on that aspect of his coaching. Um, hopefully, you know, he'll be able to impact the other players on the roster. But just from a guard standpoint specifically, I was very high on how he handled um, KPJ when he was down there, Dacian Nix when he was down there, um, and a few other guys as well. But uh, I'm going to name off those specifically. Yeah, KJ when he was down there too. Josh Christopher. Yes, definitely Christopher. That, that was another one. That's the one I was uh, leaving out. But, you know, the Rockets have had a very strong record of hiring guys to be the Vipers head coach that are, you know, great coaches down there. They go to the NBA. They do very well in the NBA. And we've even had, you know, two of those go on to be head coaches, one being Nick Nurse and the other one being, I'm sorry, do you, do you remember the other one? Paolo, I'm, I'm blanking right now. It's the uh, guy. Chris uh, Finch, Chris Finch, right? Yeah, yeah the Chris Finch. There we go. Um, so, you know, very good basketball minds. Coach Abdel Fattah, I believe, is right in that same lineage. So I'm excited to get him in, um, get him working with the guys and, you know, we'll see what comes about of the last remaining coaching vacancies on this coaching staff. Yeah, I think you summed it up pretty well there. I think 
he would be one of the guys that I would have really can I would heavily consider to replace Steven Silas if if he's got to go. I think it's unlikely that he would just because I, I find it hard that they would hard to believe that they would give uh, a rookie head coach a chance after the first rookie head coach and how and if they are moving on from Silas that means that they would really see it as a really positive thing. I think he's a really good development coach, as you said, Josh Christopher looked really good after coming back from the his show extent. KPJ the same thing. Um, but the way I see this is maybe this is a okay, let's bring this guy up. Let's have him with the team, see how the guys mesh with him. Let's see if he if this, this guy has head coach potential because I think this would be a little bit of an audition for him um, on should you be in consideration next year when Steven Salas's contract expires uh and then besides that i think he would be the first middle eastern coach if i'm not mistaken in the nba uh if you were a head coach i'm pretty sure that would be the case as an assistant i'm not sure but anyways i think um not i don't think it's it's uh like it's um a race higher or anything like that i think he's totally earned it but i do think it's worth pointing out that he made it this far and he absolutely deserves everything that he gets. And in my opinion, he would even deserve a, a chance to actually be head coach for what he did with the Vipers they won this year. So he they, he, they won this year and they developed the Knicks at the same time. It's got to be hard to continue to run a team to win with your best players being constantly out of, the, out of, of uh, practice, out of the games. Because at any time, if a player's doing well, they're going to get called up. It happened with Knicks. Um, happened and, with and, and just think Matthews. about and think about last year, the Rockets. I think it was the NBA record for the most uh, players that were ever used uh, in a single season. So that roster turnover that happened in the Vipers last year was just you know unreal. The Rockets were calling people up. Um, they called up, I'll, and I'll never forget this. I don't know why it, it stuck with me to this level, but they called up Ray Spalding. He played like in two games and then like the first 10 minutes of the second game just tears his Achilles, super tragic scene, you know, felt horrible for the guy. But that was just the level of injury devastation that the Rockets have where it's like, you bring this guy up, he shows flashes for one game, you know, oh, Ray Spalding's going to, you know, be good for us for a good part of the season. And then just like that, it's it's taken away from him and then taken away from, from the rosters in terms of developing them as well. So yeah, just want to echo exactly what you said there in terms of, how difficult it's been for Coach Abdel Fattah down there having to deal with incredible roster turnover. Yep. All right. Do you have anything else? I think we're going to we're going to close the pod down real quick. We're about five minutes away from this Adrian Wojnarowski special. If anything so happens, back. <laughs> if anything happens on that, that's very interesting. What we might do is record a YouTube only segment. Um, we'll drop that. I'll drop try to drop that sooner. So if you if anything happens on the Asian World Tronowski special, we're going to drop that as a YouTube exclusive. So go ahead and check that out on the YouTube. Uh, the link for that will be in the description um, of the pod on Apple and Spotify as well. But that, sorry, that's going to do it for us for this segment of the show. Um, as always, you can follow me at Don Knock. You can follow the pod at Clutch City CR. Paolo, go ahead and tell the people where they can find your stuff. My my like last sentence in this podcast is 
Paul and Karen, Jill and Green are going to be one of the most fun duos ever to watch play basketball. That pick and roll is going to be unstoppable. We're, we have to start. We're going to get two stars in the making. What be happy about? Can't wait for the draft. That being said, you can follow me at Paul of NBA. That's B A U L O A L V E S NBA. Everything I do from podcasts like this one to the live shows on Twitter Spaces with Fanta will find itself linked on there on draft night. If you're alone, no, if you're at home alone and lonely and you want someone to watch the draft party with, we're going to be doing uh, live spaces as the draft goes on with a lot of the guys that you're familiar with on Rocket's Twitter, Rush Williams, Nathan Falk, Itamar, James Piercy, Brad. Uh, a lot of guys are going to be there, so don't miss it. It will be really fun. Uh, can wait for it. And hopefully when, when we see y'all again, it will be knowing who our picks will be. So that's going to do it for us. Until next time, everyone be safe and go Rockets.